opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast, located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. In streaming woods, in empty rooms, or gloomy vaults and sunken tombs, where monks and nuns in dust decay, and shadows dance at close of day, where the bat dips on wing, and special choirs on breezes sing, where swords of ancient battles clash, and shimmering shades of freedom dash, where raging storms at midnight howl, and distant rolls of thunder growl, where the hounds of hell take flight and ghost clouds race across the night, where silver webs of spiders weave and star-crossed lovers take their leave, where curses lay the spirits low and mortal footsteps fear to go, where death holds life in grim embrace, its lines etched on the sinner's face, wherever the march of time is flaunted, voices cry, This place is haunted! Get out! Brought to you by WKTV, I'm Wayne Thomas. Welcome to another Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. On this show, we require certain criteria, and that would be spooky, weird, or strange. (laughs) (laughs) Or else, if you're an author or you have a paranormal team. So, please meet my co-host, and she can tell you which of that criteria she's... (laughs) Okay, well, all the above. I'm Kim Colleen. I'm a normal co-host of the Grand Rapids Paranormal Podcast, Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. And um, thanks for having me tonight again, Wayne. Oh, yeah. We, 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 uh, Brandon got the short uh, straw. that's right. Yeah, poor Brandon. Brandon Jose can uh, be on this show, too, as a regular host, guest host. But tonight we have... The Reverend Robert Duchesne and Nicole Duchesne, mm-hmm. husband and wife. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's an interesting dynamic you have going here, <laughs> husband and wife. I'm wondering how that's worked out through the years. Oh. Depends on the year. Yeah. <laughs> Good or bad. <laughs> so give us some basics. I know you guys have been around. You're actually legends in this area. I wanted you on the show last year when I was first looking for guests. I was about ready to stand on the streets of Grand Rapids by, by the library and wait for you to walk by with one of your tours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, it would have worked. Yes, yeah. I would have. So talk about that. I think that's what you're really into is the tours uh, right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, due to COVID, it's mm-hmm. abbreviated tours this year. Um, so it's just taking place during this month. We have three Grand Rapids tours. Uh, the Grand Rapids tour is on Halloween. Nice. Oh, nice. Yes. We decided Grand Rapids was going to have Devil's Night and Halloween for I tour. love it. Yes. And then there's two tours in Kalamazoo. So we're starting the tours this coming Saturday on the 17th. And then we're running them out in the weekends for the rest of the month. Okay. So how many tours per day do you do then? It starts out being scheduled as one tour, but if we sell out, then we'll add extras as needed. Okay. Because we're able to do the tour in portion. Well, the Grand Rapids tour, we do sections for each guide. And the Kalamazoo tour, um, if we needed to, either one of us could do that tour on our own. Okay. So we can yeah. we can set it up so we have a tour every hour if needed. Okay. Yeah. So we, okay. we know, everybody knows the whole tour. So that way, if we have to stagger it, we can. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like we were just talking on the way here, um, I do believe it was the 24th. There is a large group that yeah. wants to come. And Can't there's remember only... if that's a Kalamazoo tour or Grand Rapids tour, but we will yeah. be adding another tour for yeah. the 24th. I know that. Okay. We'll probably do it to where he starts at 8 and I'll start the next one at 9. So and if, then you're, we can if run. you're listening and if you're seeing this and you feel like it's already sold out, don't be dismayed because right. you... 
can have the possibility of opening up another tour. Absolutely. Okay. Well, yep. that's a good thing. And had... what you're talking about specifically is um, this is your book, Ghosts of Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the tour pretty much talks about some of the buildings and the locations directed from this book in particular. And so what are some of the more popular places that you go on the tour? What do you show people? I think the one that surprises people the most is one of my last stops on the tour route, which is actually talking about the Children's Museum being haunted. Okay. And it's not actually tied to where people would assume it is. It's from another part of the building because they were built in blocks, so it looks like it's a separate building, but the death occurred uh, in another portion of the building, the basements were connected, and the okay. spirit seems to have gravitated over towards the children's museum. And it's probably partially due to the fact that, unfortunately, it was a 14-year-old boy. Oh. So I'm figuring I'm a lot older than 14, but if I were to die and someone brought in a bunch of toys and I hadn't the opportunity to try to play with them, it's probably better than hanging out in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah. that's probably where he's sticking out is right there mm-hmm. the one thing about the buildings downtown that you talked about how they're all connected and so mm-hmm. a ghost like you say can be actually originated in one part and he doesn't care whether he's wandering through walls into another section at all but you guys are authors for sure i have two of your books here and i believe you also have a lansing uh, book yeah, right paranormal lansing michigan's haunted nightlife we have a true crime book called One Silent Voice, a Jeannie Singleton story. And we will be updating and reposting, uh, is it Twisted? Is that what we want with Twisted History of Kalamazoo? Yes. It had okay. another name originally, so okay. I, I got confused for a minute there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. That's what we like to use this platform is for to promote people oh, like oh, you, yeah. Right? Yeah. authors. And you guys have got, like I said, a few books out there. But you also were had a team and I don't know if you're still doing that. We, we are somewhat active. Um, I think I get out more often than most of the team does because I now work on negative haunting cases like uh, where people feel that they might have something uh, negative, like a demon or something similar to that. Oh, well, that's, that sounds That's familiar, my specialty right, right there. That's that, what this yeah. guy does. <laughs> yeah, Rob, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. I, I was I, guessing with the hat and with all the crucifixes. Right, and... You know, smudging is kind of a, a pagan. It's definitely a pagan ritual, but I smudge, but I call on Jesus at the end. I definitely don't smudge, but, oh. I, de- but I will call on Jesus all the time, so oh, yeah. I guess it works out. <laughs> and I work with a minister, a preacher man, mm-hmm. yep. and on the other team that I was on, we also had, I saw the need to have a minister on the team. You know, my grandfather was, he ministered his own church. He was a ghost hunter. He coached me from, from around age five. So there was that interesting thing. You have like 10 years of coaching then, right? 10 years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm at least uh, that old. At least 15. (laughs) Right. And then my brother also is a minister. So when I decided that I was going to get into ghost hunting, he gave me warnings. And he was like, I'm not even sure if ghosts exist. And he came back a couple days later and goes, well, it's in the Bible. So I guess ghosts do exist. I just had to just had that same discussion with someone on a podcast earlier this week about oh. the fact that ghosts are mentioned in the Bible. So that's interesting how you can work that out, you know, because I have ran into church members who are telling me anything on the other side, it's it's probably something bad mm-hmm. because people aren't supposed to come back. Right. So I'm in, interested to hear your views on that. How you work that out, being a reverend and also being a ghost hunter? Um, I actually worked with the priest out of Kalamazoo, who was the one that trained me what to do. And his definition of what he thought the earthbound spirits were is his theory was that it was purgatory spirits. And that they haven't yet passed into heaven. So they're in like pretty much in purgatory Mm -hmm. between the, uh, the realms, not being able to pass on yet. That was also the... Uh, I think I was told by Kenneth Deal, who was a Catholic demonologist. He was he is also one of my mentor mentors. Uh, he had the same theory on it: is that they were purgatory spirits. So they haven't necessarily got to the other side and then came back. Right. They're, they're waiting. Of, they're pretty much in the waiting room, trying to get trying to get over to the other side. Why would they be in the waiting room in the first place? Uh, under the Catholic faith, you have there's purgatory. It depends on on 
how long you have to atone for your sins before you're allowed to get in. Okay. So uh, it's pretty much would be like, I think everyone has to sit in the waiting room. It's like you're hanging out at the DMV or something. I don't know. Okay. That's so not if you're probably a really the right bad definition. person when you were alive, you you're might be there for, for a while. You could be there for quite a while, yes. Hmm. And it seems like people that we run into are ghosts or spirits, entities, whatever you want to call it. A lot of them have been there for a long time they show mm -hmm. up in period clothing right yeah. victorian mm -hmm. civil war i always tell uniform. everyone yep. i make a joke on our tour because um, on our tour a lot of the people that we talk about are still stuck at their works after they were dead so i always joke with everyone that they better make sure they love their job because they're probably <laughs> going to be going back to it for 150 years after they die <laughs> yeah good point it seems like routine things yeah. can be imprinted Yep. whether it's in the fabric of the building. Now, do you believe in residual and intelligent hauntings? Oh, separate oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. So residual being, that's where it's absorbed their energy. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily a spirit connected to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then intelligent is going to interact with you. Right. And yeah. then there is a spirit attached when, to when that. When I used to have our radio show on our digital broadcasting network, we interviewed a parapsychologist who did an experiment with residual hauntings. And he went into buildings that had residual hauntings with degaussing equipment that used to be used to erase like uh, videotapes or audio tapes. And he put a lot of them together and turned them on for like 30 minutes in a room and then researched whether or not the activity stopped. And he said in about 95% of the cases that it completely er eliminated the residual hauntings. That was in your book. Was it? Yeah, I remember. I remember you reading something. It I could remember, have been. I remember reading something about a study, <laughs> right? Where that might have been the Phillips experiment. I know that's in the in the book, and that was a, okay. a group from Mensa that that got together and created a spirit on their own, mm -hmm. pretty much willed it into existence by concentrating and trying to contact a spirit that they made up. That was a Mensa experiment, I believe, in the 1960s. I'm not exactly hmm. sure on the on the year on that one, though. Yeah, I guess that would be kind of like the Tulpa where the mind is so powerful it can actually create an entity mm -hmm. or these right. people show up out there at hell's bridge yeah yeah brandon and i went out to hell's bridge i don't know this summer i remember it being hot humid yeah yucky. they got up from one of the podcasts yeah, with the we, guest. yeah we had um uh one of our guests who wanted to go out there and so brandon and I, brandon and i accompanied him out there and and uh i really didn't feel any um topa situation out there i didn't feel anything you know but there was other people out there that we talked to that said yes we've experienced things here lots of times mm -hmm. you know and it's one of those instances yeah there's a story behind it but nobody has been able to prove that story to be true correct pretty much been proven to be untrue exactly <laughs> yes exactly yes. but you, yeah still. they un they uncovered some things that other people yes. hadn't because yes. they dug in share those with us that please the insights from hell's bridge yeah i'd love I think to that's hear more that research so there I'll we eat, go um Yes, the whole legend of Hell's Bridge, for anybody who's not familiar, yep. there is supposed to be Elias Frisk, yep. who had uh, kidnapped and murdered a bunch of children, mm -hmm. and they said drowned them in uh, this area where Hell's Bridge is now. Um, I actually contacted the Algoma Township Historical Society, and it just so happens that the lady who runs it, her name is Julie, and Julie is married into the frisk family yeah i think that's in your book yes i read that story yes. in your book here and right. i'm like well that's pretty lucky that you actually talked to um somebody with the same last name but then mm -hmm. she told you some valuable information oh absolutely um there has never been an elias frisk <laughs> exactly um another part of the legend he was supposed to be uh, a preacher uh, they never had a preacher in yeah. their ancestry. Um, the first family is getting kind of tired of having their name associated oh, I with it. Sure. Oh. oh, yes. So, um, but through the research and through Julie, Julie actually clued me in on a couple of these things. Um, the legend might not be true, mm -hmm. but that doesn't 
mean anything when it comes to the paranormal activity that's in that area because from what I found out you take that spot mm-hmm. and you go out about a mile diameter and you find a lot of interesting things including way back in the logging era um the men kept seeing this creature and everybody nicknamed it the hodag so they would see this creature that was out there and it kept scaring the loggers um in that area and that's actually talked about in uh the book of of the history of uh algoma township okay and uh julie said that they've talked about it for centuries just this this creature i guess they had a contest with the local children to draw a picture of the hodag and they, they have the framed winner and up on the wall there in the historic society no way. oh yeah that picture's in your book yeah that picture's in your children that doesn't look like a picture that a child did to me right no that was a child they, they that had was the local cool children picture. do that it was a good picture yes um but there's other things there's like a an unusually high amount of suicides and violent deaths within that mile radius so you have this cryptzoology, you know, this this creature yep. that was seen throughout that area. You have a high amount of deaths within a mile area of yep. that. Yep. So it's it, all that residual energy yes. that is surrounded that area. And so what you're dealing with here is some of that going on and then mm-hmm. people crowding that area you know doing seances doing doing paranormal things out there and like it's almost like adding fuel to the fire yes right yes so um yeah it was interesting visiting that bridge and Mm -hmm. i think you've got a picture in your book of hell's bridge i think yes and when i was there it has gone downhill a lot like (laughs) really when you the picture of hell's bridge in your book it doesn't look anything like that really anymore. yeah I well, that would be 11 years ago I oh god that yeah book, that so. it is barely hanging there. on by a thread <laughs> oh, no. oh no did you it, get it on it like no him. ben did i know ben goldman he was ben goldman i don't know if you know him yes so oh, yeah we oh, went cool. out there with ben and a part of his crew and we were like ben don't go out there because this thing is like teetering on falling mm-hmm. into the river right it wasn't all that sturdy back then so, and, yeah. it's completely unsturdy it. now Oh, wow. And uh, he, he was hell-bent on getting across that bridge, man, you know. Oh, yeah. We so. did, too. We, we crossed <laughs> the bridge and went off into the woods. And, yeah. And yeah. I think the bridge stuff. was the only thing that scared you out there, wasn't it? Oh, I, I am <laughs> horribly afraid of heights. To the point where I can get maybe on, like, the second run of a ladder, and that's it. And then there was I, no I ladder. Freeze. No, but I mean, that's oh, right. how She high. doesn't want to be off the ground. Oh. So I crossed it, but man, I was terrified the entire time. Well, th- I mean, it's literally like this, man. I yeah, mean, now I, I wouldn't even bother. No, I wouldn't even bother with it. No, now. you had to be like, you know, circus act yes. to try and get across that thing yes. now. So Yeah, it's been years since we've had the opportunity to go yeah, back there. Yeah, I knew Kim had been out there, so I knew she'd be able to relate to that. I've actually been to probably 10 locations that you guys have in these books. One of the closest ones is 36th Street Lounge, Old Lenny's. Yes. And I'm I'm at the 34 block, so I'm only a couple oh, blocks Oh, you're from almost there. right there, right? yeah. And I drove down there, because I wanted to ask them mm-hmm. if they knew they were haunted. <laughs> and it's all boarded up, so I didn't get to talk to oh. you. I, I had heard that they closed, and that, you know, and what's a shame about that, it's not only was it a haunted location, Man, they had good food. They had the was biggest. Was that Sanchez? <laughs> was that called Sanchez? No, Sanchez is downtown. That was oh. different. Okay. Lenny's. Oh, Lenny's. Lenny's. The Lenny's burrito was like okay. mammoth. Oh, that's yeah. what I heard. I never had the burrito, oh. but I had the chicken Alfredo. And I'm like, oh, my God. They had <laughs> okay, like off the subject. best. Yes. <laughs> We're all hungry. <laughs> uh, my buddies, a couple of farm boys, I'd go with them, and they had no problem polishing off one of those Lenny's yep. burritos. But at the time, didn't have... Any yeah. idea it was haunted. And they were great folks, too, because I said, like, one sentence to 
the waitress and she's like oh yeah this place is haunted yeah we'll, we'll tell you all about it we'll mm-hmm. take you down in the basement where we see everything mm-hmm. and- i was hoping that was going to happen when i showed oh, up there shoot. Yeah. I know. and it probably would have if they were open because yeah. i mean they were very open about talking about what was happening there and that's not always the case right, yeah. right. oh absolutely right. so i'm wondering how much frustration you guys may have ran into uh, along the way because you have a long history mm-hmm. of this what was your original team's name, and then yeah, then how much frustration or obstacles have you ran into? I'm going to well, start that one with Rob because his <laughs> team was older. Yeah, I started out in 1993. Our original team's name was Kalamazoo Ghost Hunting Club. You know, we oh, wanted wow. to be a pretty original name there, and we stuck with that until 2003 when we incorporated as W Paranormal Incorporated and started doing our radio show at that point. And then when we started doing the book series, which is we call the Paranormal Michigan Book Series, we changed the company name to Paranormal Michigan Incorporated mm-hmm. and yeah. pretty much merged with her team. Yeah, I, uh, I started my team in October of 1999, and it was West Michigan Ghost Hunter Society. Okay. And uh, it was just myself and my best friend Vicki at the time, and big you know we loved the paranormal but we will admit we we were chickens we you know (laughs) the first the first official ghost hunt took place in uh the township cemetery in grand haven and we lasted like 20 minutes why because you saw something heard something no we both felt something at the exact same time we were yeah we were probably about 10 feet apart and we're walking we're just walking through with and taking pictures that's all we had was cameras and we're walking through and all of a sudden it just got like ice cold and Mm. you just felt like you weren't wanted and somebody was right there and even though we didn't talk or anything we just looked at each other. She looked at me. I looked at her, and we took off for the car. And even though we were 10 feet apart, we both felt the same thing at the exact same time. Do you feel like you have any special abilities? Th- that's about it. I talk sometimes about seeing if I could, you know, if I can train myself yeah. for more. My sensitivity is just basically, oh, okay, something's not right in this room. Sure. I can feel something in this room. But that's it. But I've never really took it farther to the point of you know was it male was it female yeah. you know is it a child is it a grown-up yeah it was Wayne always and I just have, yeah um talked to a lot of people that can actually hone in on mm-hmm. if it's a female or male and then mm-hmm. we've also um, interviewed quite a few people who are empaths mm-hmm. right that they can feel the emotion of right. you know the spirit and kind of take that in themselves and I, th- that. I think it's a matter of getting used to trusting that gut feeling. Yeah. It sounds oh, like yeah. you've got a little bit of that. A little bit. And, you I know, think we all do. Yes. Yeah. We, I think we pretty all much do. everyone in the paranormal field has some sort of a, a feeling of what's around them. I sure. Mean, what, I never, she never told me about getting scared and having to leave on that first investigation. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to, I wasn't going to admit that to another teaser. Ghost I probably figured I would tease her about yeah. it. But, yeah. Um, yeah, my, he will now. My best yeah. friend, Bob, well, not really. My best friend Bob and I were out with our team back in probably like early 2000s. And we went out to a church that they had been working on out by Constantine. And when they were doing the renovations, they had found that there had been two bodies that had been buried in the floor. Oh, my. It ended up that they were actually former priests from the church. But you know how people get their rumors out? Everyone yep. said it was Al Capone had dumped bodies oh, in there. Yeah, right. So, Al Capone's been all over. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he was actually in that area. But, oh, okay. but um, so we went out there to try to do an EVP session mm-hmm. in this church, wanting to see if we can get a hold of Al Capone's victims. <laughs> and we don't really know what we came across in the church, but there were three of us. We all had our recorders down separately. We have our red flashlights in the room looking all around to see if we see anything. And we never said anything to each other. All three of us at the same time picked up our recorders and took off running to the car. And when we reviewed the EVP, I was playing it back in the car to to Bob. And I'm like, Bob, you have to listen to this. And I played it. And he goes, dude, you faked that. Uh, And I'm like, no. Faked it. And so I I play it back again. And he's like, dude, that has to be faked. (laughs) And I'm like, no. And what we actually captured was 
after we're running and we get to the car and you can hear we're out of breath, mm -hmm. there's this voice that says, in a like, very whispery voice, mm -hmm. it says, stay out with those beautiful colored lights. Oh, that's so, a long sentence for a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought that was quite interesting and um, ended up giving that, uh, there was a radio show, I don't know if it's still on anymore, called Haunted Voices Radio. It had Todd, Todd Bates. Who's, He's bringing it back. Who's uh, yeah. one of the leading experts on EVP. Mm -hmm. um, he was doing, he was actually training me on EVP work. And I gave him that file and he's like, dude, it's got to be one of the best ones I've ever heard. Wow. He was the one that actually figured out that that part at the end said beautiful colored lights. We only thought it said stay out. And then it was like pretty soft sound after that. Mm -hmm. But he cleared it up. And that's where we found out that it was actually longer than we had thought. But yeah, we thought it said stay out. But it was stay out with those beautiful colored lights. Wow. And I thought that was interesting since we've and been I, carrying red flashlights. I, oh, okay. I yeah. was wondering what this, mm -hmm. the, um, what what they meant about that. Yeah, huh. we were carrying the red flashlights because it doesn't affect your night vision as much as regular flashlights do. Okay. So. What a great story. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Clergymen and adolescents, they say, see more ghosts. Mm -hmm. than other people so you guys got a very interesting dynamic working i'm an career. adolescent clergyman so that yeah works out. <laughs> i'm still in mind right i concur <laughs> yeah, right i'm definitely an adolescent yeah us men we don't really grow up we just get we do get older but we don't grow up yeah that's why i'm here yeah nikki i nikki i knew you as a different name though Okay. as Bray, right yeah oh yeah so yeah. yeah it was nicole bray yes and so when i when I was messaging with Rob, I'm going, uh, I'm, what is your name? So are you guys married? Because you weren't always married. Oh, no, no. Started out, when I started team, it was Nicole Bray. And it was yep. Nicole Bray for the longest time. And um, then we had a mutual friend, Doug, who actually was Ghostly Talk. Mm -hmm. uh, the first, you know, internet-based radio ghost show. And he said, well, we've got this historic octagon house in Washington, Michigan. And I would love for your team to come on over mm -hmm. and do like this joint investigation with a bunch of us. Well, I, we all thought that we were just meeting up with Scott and Doug from the show. And actually, it was also Rob and members of his team. So that's where we met. So we met I on an investigation. That was, I, I believe that was when I was on my way to Gettysburg. Right with, before you went with, to Gettysburg uh, with them. With Ghostly Talk. So yeah. You ran into two members of my team that were going to Gettysburg with their team. And we just got back and from I Gettysburg. And I absolutely oh, wow. could not stand her. And I thought she, no, was, no, I thought no, she was the most stuck-up person. Oh, no. He did. He did. He did. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad I asked this question. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I hated my husband too. Oh jeez. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He just, I was like, yeah, I couldn't stand. Yeah, I kept him. asking Doug. I'm like, does she think she's better than everyone? <laughs> <I don't know." laughs> so fuck you. That's yes. funny. And then, and then, um, I think it was like four or five months later. Um, there was this mutual person that we knew, and we got to chatting, you know, online. We got to chatting about this person, and sparks flew. I guess. Yeah. I guess. So yeah. What happens when you get an IRC? You never know what's going to happen. What's an IRC? <laughs> it's a really old way of communicating. Internet relay chat. Oh. It, it uh, existed mainly for programmers to talk to each other. Okay. And now it's more or less exists so people can. A little bit music, before but... Yahoo Messenger, you know. Oh. It was actually yeah. at the same time. Yeah. It was out about the. It was. They. They were both popular around the same time. Yeah. So. But. So do you think Grand Rapids is haunted? Oh, Lord, or yes. cursed, yeah, cursed, like your book says. Cursed. Possibly even cursed, yes, because the Indians believed that the Grand River area that just happens to be where Grand Rapids right. is, and they would build these cursed. mounds. The mound builders were here first, before before they, um, the mound builders were the first ones here. Okay, they were annihilated, and nobody right. knows for sure exactly what tribe it's believed. It's the Sioux Indians. That's right. You you. It's in the book. Yeah, but nobody yeah. knows exactly for sure. No. Okay. Well, yeah, they when, died out. I know yeah. when we were in St. Louis, they had in their museum in St. Louis, they mentioned the mound builders, and the museum in St. Louis says that most of the most of the groups of the mound builders were killed by Sioux Indians. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we because, make it highly likely that that was the case, and yeah. and. According to the research they had there at the St. Louis Library, they 
felt that if you died doing an act of violence, you were damned. So if they were attacked, they would not defend themselves. Oh, mm-hmm. so that's why potentially they died out. Mm-hmm. But then those mounds are still here today, right? In oh, Grand yes, Rapids. there's many of them. Yes. Yeah, so if yeah. you know what you're looking for, yeah, that Grand dates Rapids back one, all the way to those mound builders. There's oh, a very yes. prominent one in uh, Bronson Park in Kalamazoo, too. Okay. Yep. That's interesting. When I read that in your and book. And right by the Gerald R. Ford yep. Museum. Yep. There's one there, yep. too. Yeah, in your book, you said that the Native American Indians called Grand Rapids the Haunted Valley yep. of the Grand. Mm-hmm. So. They weren't sure whether evil spirits were haunted. They yes. had entire Indian um, war or uh, hunting parties that disappeared. Oh, yes. Yes. Yep. And then there was, uh, you know, on top of all of that, when uh, the white man came, mm-hmm. and then throughout the years when we really started developing Grand Rapids, I mean, for major industry, we're talking like 1870s yep. to the 1900s. Um, then we did them a horrible dishonor on top of it because we desecrated a lot of their Indian burial grounds. Yeah. Um, uh, one in particular along the Thornapple River is um, there was a burial ground, Indian burial ground, and then Grand Rapids went through their smallpox epidemic. Well, what they decided is they were going to build what's called pest houses or pest barns and that's where they took everybody who was a victim of smallpox and they would take them to this barn to be treated because they couldn't have them you know in this house and that house and this house and that house because it would spread so they would take them all to these barns okay well they decided to build the barn on top of the indian burial ground oh jeez and then anybody who died they took them out to the property and buried them in a mass grave so we had an investigation um, one time, my team did, where it was this machine shop. And when we went to do the history, that machine shop is sitting smack dab on, on top of all of that. The Indian burial ground, the smallpox, the smallpox mass hundreds, and Hundreds of them. people underneath yes. that. Yes. Wow. So, and that's different yeah. than the poor houses, right? The poor houses were developed after the Civil War. Okay. Yes. Because similar situation, I mean, they would take the mentally ill, right? The mentally ill, the poor, I mean, anybody you can think of that would be, quote unquote, the outcast of society. I mean, there was even girls that got pregnant. Right. You know, which think about how horrible of a scandal that was back then. Right. And they would be able to stay there and they'd give birth and sometimes they'd leave it to children. Sometimes they died. Sometimes they left the child there and the child ends up growing up on these county poor parts. And so then what you're left with are these cemeteries Mm -hmm. with unmarked graves. Tons of unmarked graves. But then you can see, you know, where these burial plots are Mm -hmm. laid out because sometimes the, is it the sod will sink in? Everything would sink in, yeah. Grand Rapids has one of the worst ones where I've seen, where you can still tell where some of these yeah. old graves were. Right. Because back then, I mean, the law of a cement vault that the coffins go in, that is relatively modern. I right. Mean, that was that was only adopted maybe like 40 years ago. Um, back then, it was sometimes they didn't even get a coffin. They were wrapped and thrown in the ground. And so you have nothing there for erosion to stop. And so you can actually, what, uh, I forget the name of the cemetery that you mentioned in your book where a lot of these poor house people have been buried. Maple Grove. That's it. Maple Grove. Maple Grove. And um, you go in the front, the lucky ones got stones. Okay. The lucky ones. Usually... That means there was a family member, exactly, a friend, somebody that, who was willing to yep. purchase that. For a while, the county would purchase little stones too, but they only did that for a short period of time. Yeah. Um, any county poor farm cemetery, there's going to be a distinct lack of burials from the 20s because they would take those people, they wouldn't be buried, they'd be donated to the University of Michigan right. to use as cadavers. That's right. I read that. So in your book for too. the 20s, there's a huge 
and they didn't have a say whether their bodies got donated no. to science it was no. just like you died okay we need some bodies we ship you them died. off there's no family who's claiming nope. you nothing boom you yep. go yep and then you were discarded as medical waste absolutely yep i mm. found out through genealogy i have a uh third great grand uncle that uh actually died in eloise which was the wayne county poor farm sure and the year that he died, I'm not sure if it was the, if it was the poor farm time or when they changed it over to an asylum. That's right because it, it could have been either one. Sure, because it was right during that time. So I don't know if it was because he was poverty stricken and yeah. he had no one else, or if it was he was a inmate of the asylum. Mm-hmm. Well, this when just he, reinforces the importance of that ceremony that surrounds mm-hmm. death. And the respect that we need yeah. to put on mm-hmm. death like that. And in Grand Rapids, I think we built the S curve right over Indian. They did. Imperial. They found graves. Right. Yeah, they found markers. You talk about yeah. heritage, heritage hills in Grand Rapids. Oh yeah. And we've been to. That's one of the places that I've been to, investigated, mm-hmm. and a couple of the places I went to were so similar. They were talking like minions were after them. So I don't know if they were shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. Native American shapeshifters or what they were, but they are all the same story. They're a couple blocks apart right up there in that area, the yep. Black Hills of Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. that area too. Yep. I love the work that you do, and you're digging in deep to this stuff. I think you also investigated the Ada Witch and uncovered some things that hadn't been revealed in some of these other books that I read. Right. I think we spent way too much time down there looking up the death records. Oh, my God. That (laughs) Um, took hours. Well, the the basis of the legend of the Ada Witch is Mm -hmm. supposed to be that there was a woman who was having an affair. Right. And her husband went out hunting, and she snuck her lover in, and they were out in the woods having a tryst. And the husband came across them in the woods, and a fight ensued. And as a result, all three of them died of their injuries. Yep. That's the legend. They had narrowed it down saying that it was some, I won't say who, somebody narrowed it down saying who they thought the Ada Witch was. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they started breaking up her tombstone, selling it on eBay. They were selling dirt from her grave on on eBay. And so we decided we were going to go find out for sure if that was who uh, could possibly be the Ada Witch. And that was probably the shortest part of it because we found her death certificate and I, um, cannot remember typhoid is that what she died typhoid, of yeah yeah she died of typhoid so there was no way that she fit that description of having been murdered while having an affair with somebody out in the woods so we sat and went through every book they have of deaths down there looking for three people to die a violent death within like two or three weeks because we figured they could have suffered for a little while and we found absolutely no death records that could match that happening so unless one of them was never reported, which then it never would have made. made Actually, all flooded. three would have to have never right. been reported. It's yeah. another Hell's Bridge. Oh, absolutely. Is what it is. Oh, you know. absolutely. And I feel bad for that woman's grave. Mm-hmm. That was literally picked apart. It, it yeah. was. And we ended um, up working with uh, WZZM. Yeah, Brent Channel Ashcroft. 13, Brent Ashcroft. Really? And we, while working with him, uh, contacted several different um, monument companies, yeah. and Lowell Granite Company actually donated a new tombstone for her. That's amazing. He was at Nick Fink's with us, him and his uh, partner. Really? Uh, Nice-looking blonde. Yeah. Can't remember her name, but yeah. I had not heard that her tombstone was... She's got a new tombstone. New one. Um, okay. And... He put it in, like, five feet of concrete so yeah. no one could ever take it so, out again. Yeah, so it's only it's only sitting like maybe a foot high, and it's one of those more flat ones. Yeah, but he wanted to make sure that nobody could take it yeah. again. Yeah. So well, everybody actually, knows the name. Absolutely. And I'm not going to say the name because yep. I know it. You know it. We don't we need more people it. out there. But um, yeah, there's five know, feet of concrete that's actually attached to that. Okay. And he wanted to make sure nothing happened to that again. And they made sure that the new marker says died of typhoid. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that they would no longer associate it with being the Ada Witch because you go there and it, you have that story and you can see that she died of a natural disease. Right. Yep. 
We don't get these details in any of these no, other books that I've read. No, you know, because these are the people that get to the root of it. Oh, yeah, they dig deep. I believe you, know. you also dug deep on what you call the legend of the wooden leg murder. Oh, oh that was I like that title. Yes. Okay, yeah. is that a true story or not a true story? It's that a partially is, true story. Okay. Okay. okay, I can't tell anymore. All right. <laughs> what the legend is, is uh, Warren and Virginia Randall, they came here to Grand Rapids. Uh, Warren had a wooden leg. Yep. And they had this big fight. They were going to get divorced. And well, they he thought he she was cheating mm -hmm. all the time, all the time, and uh, he convinced her to come back to the house, yep, because they were separated. And he beat her to death with his wooden leg, mm -hmm. and then he committed suicide. He by, tried slitting his own throat, oh, yeah, with a straight razor, yeah. and then uh, turned the gas on and then stuffed every single hole mm -hmm. where gas could leak out. I mean to the point where they found pieces of newspaper in keyholes. He was that meticulous about making sure the gas never escaped the house. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the legend is, is that he beat his wife to death with his wooden leg. <laughs> and unfortunately, that probably comes from the news story that came out that very next day. Mm -hmm. um, they were saying that what... One person was saying that essentially one of the reporters had asked what had happened and they said it looks like he beat his wife with his leg yeah. back then reporters were oh, they could just walk into the crime scene. pretty yeah, sensational they could, headline right. though yes and they could just walk right into the crime scene and start asking questions sure. of the police officers um obviously now you can't do that well one of the officers made some comment because his wooden leg was detached and there was blood all over the place that he beat her with the wooden leg. Oh. And that is what the reporter published. Gotcha. And that's where the legend got started. And you need to say, too, what building that happened in. Yes. Because that is a prominent building, right? Downtown. It yes. Was, it's the former uh, Michigan Bell building. Right, which is now the... AT&T building. Mm -hmm. Yep. And oh. what was there was the Judd White Mansion. And yep. that's the house that they were renting out when all this occurred. Uh, for the longest time, and I'm talking decades, people mm -hmm. kept trying to find the real story behind this. And we couldn't. I, I tried for years, couldn't find anything. Um, so many teams uh, tried. We had reporters, what, Fox 17 tried to dig into it. Wow. Uh, ZZM tried to dig into it because they wanted to do a story on sure. it. Sure. And then they're like, well, we can't find anything. It was mentioned in the book haunted houses of grand rapids the first original book that not before gary eberly took over the first original oh, before. one yes gary eberly actually was given the rights to the first book and that's where people learned about um the whole legend with the michigan bell building and mm -hmm. warren and virginia mm -hmm. randall and um so nobody could find anything all we had was this chapter in, her, in a book. Well, one day when we decided we were going to do Ghost of Grand Rapids book, you know, I'm doing research, you know, and when I do research, like for old newspaper articles, I just don't type in like a certain date or, I mean, I do do that, certain mm -hmm, names, certain mm -hmm. dates, but sometimes I'll just come up with the quirkiest things. Like for the our true crime book, Jamie Singleton, I put in mysteries or unsolved mm -hmm, mysteries mm -hmm. into the Kalamazoo. We're at the Kalamazoo library and boom, the 30th anniversary of her death popped up and that's how we found it. And so I'm sitting here and I'm getting tired. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm about ready to call it quits. So I went wooden leg murder. There it was. How did you think of that? It just, it, just putting in something weird. And I'll do that all the time. I'll just put in something weird, and you'd be surprised what I oh my get to yeah, pop so up. I ended up finding the actual true story in the newspaper. Yes. And they had the names wrong. He changed Many the names. Many of the details were the wrong in the story. Yes. So did this actually happen? This actually happened. Uh, okay. The names are Warren and Vashti Rowland. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and he had a different year. It actually happened in 1909. He did have a wooden leg. 
He did work for the railroad. He got his ankle caught under a moving train. So he had to have his leg amputated from the knee down. So what does that have to do with the suicide pact? Well, it actually turns out that there, uh, according to the article, there really wasn't a suicide pact, especially if once you look at the autopsy report. Okay. Actual cause of death for uh, Vashti was acute alcohol poisoning. Oh. And it appears that he woke up, they both passed out, he woke up, found she was dead, and then he committed suicide. He hmm. didn't want to live without her. They had a very strong love-hate relationship. Okay. Incredibly strong to where I actually found a newspaper article references to where um, the neighbors would comment, oh yeah, Vashti's running down the street chasing Warren with a knife again and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they had an extreme love-hate relationship. And um, so it's believed that when he woke up, found her deceased, yeah. he just could not live without her. Because no matter how much they love and hated each other, yeah. they couldn't live without each other. But then the hauntings continued after their death, right? Oh, still continues to this day. Up until the point where that house was being rented out to other individuals, correct? It was rented for a short time. And uh, then stayed vacant for a long time. Somebody had died, mm -hmm. right? And then, like, it caught on fire. Then caught on fire. Yeah. Um, eventually, even back in the early 1900s, people already started labeling that house as cursed and haunted. Yep. Um, because of all that. So eventually it was torn down. Yep. And it was purchased for commercial property, and that's where the Michigan Bell built. Well, I've been down there. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's like a fortress. You can't get in there. No. 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 And I've called, and I said, and they said, no, we get no. calls, and we're not letting you in. Yep. I was thinking about, like, disguising myself as a maintenance person. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Have you watched too many spy shows? I, know. <laughs> I, I would probably be your one phone call. I wanted to sneak in there. Jeez, get me out of jail. I uh, don't recommend that. Always get permission if you can. Oh, exactly. Oh, my Lord, yes. yes. Always. But Grand Rapids is full of history, and we haven't hit on it all because I have these pictures hanging here, and I... And I was turning the pages, and I came to page 66, and I go, wait a minute. I know that gal. What? Mina Decker. The Mina Decker story. Yes. And you guys, it's this is where I talk about these buildings all being, like, pretty much one building. And they're all mm -hmm. connected. McFadden's in Ritz County, which yep. she was more of the Ritz County. Yeah, it's now Luna's. For anybody who lives in Grand, it's now Luna's. Okay. Mexican and they're not restaurant. interested in the paranormal. But when I was there, the guy had seen ghosts at Ritz oh, yeah. County. So he was all for it. And so mm -hmm. we were able to get in there. We actually were in there on the anniversary of her being bludgeoned to death. Mm -hmm. oh, and so she was a young typist. It was a, it's one of the Michigan's uh, oldest unsolved murders. Mm -hmm. And then McFadden's right all connected they have their own stories yeah all three all three of those buildings right there used to be uh, hotels three different hotels and they each had its own stories about mm -hmm. what happened there were suicides i uncovered you know multiple suicides that took place in all three uh mina decker who was murdered on the third floor um and there was uh it was called the Crathmore, which is the more modern building. When you go down, you can see the two historical buildings, and then you see the more modern. You know, that eventually was torn down. Now you have your modern building. But it used to be the Crathmore Hotel. And there was this young Polish girl that was brought here to the United States by this gentleman with the promise of marriage. Mm -hmm. And she gets here, and he puts her in the Crathmore Hotel, and lo and behold, he marries somebody else. She commits suicide by jumping uh, from the top of the stairwell right. straight down. Um, you go over to McFadden's area, which was first started as a Waldron Hotel, and then it was a Wellington Hotel. And there was many suicides by poisoning that happened when it was over there. There was uh, also to be known that the top floor was used as a brothel. Ah. And one of the prostitutes fell in love with one of her clients, and he refused to leave his wife for her, so mm -hmm. she hung herself. Yep. I mean, all three of those, it just ties together. Every single one of those 
I think doing tragedy. research, we've only, I think doing research whenever we do hotels, I think we've only come across one hotel ever that we're doing research on that did not have a death. Yeah. And that was only a, it was in Kalamazoo and it was like a six bedroom uh, boarding house. Teeny little boarding house. Um, and that was the only one that we, I think we've ever found that did not have well, some sort of a violent death or a suicide in it. Sheesh. Because Nikki also said a key word and that's brothels because that tortured life uh, led to ghosts. Oh yeah, uh, and yeah. there's a lot of hauntings. a lot of buildings I've investigated yeah. have been brothels. Yep. So yes. that does definitely seem to be another one. Yeah, you got the yes. hotels, the brothels. Yeah, mm-hmm. and back in turn of the like the 1900s, late 1800s, if anyone committed suicide, they typically didn't do it at home. They would go to a hotel and commit suicide so mm-hmm. that their family didn't have to deal with cleaning up the mess oh, yeah. or yeah. seeing the body. Yeah, nice. there's a 50 year span starting in about 1880 to about the 1920-ish yep. into the 30s where I, I joke, uh, you know, it's not jo- it's not a joking matter, but I kind of joke at the on the tour that I don't know if that turned into like the popular thing to do, yeah. but um, if you were not going to commit suicide at your house or like on your property, you know, mm-hmm. in the barn or whatever, it just seemed like a popular thing to do. You go to a hotel. I know, I know in our... Kalamazoo tour, there were we have what at least two of them where people got pretty much got off the train, got a hotel, and killed themselves. Yeah, just and, went straight um, to the hotel to go kill themselves. Grand Rapids is the same thing. There, there was many of them which in the former Morton House hotel, yeah. um, lots of them, you know. And after we write the book, that doesn't mean research stops. Sure, but even after we created our tour scripts. The research doesn't stop. I'm now up to 23 suicides in the Morton House Hotel. Oh, wow. During the hotel days. Yeah, either some, the hotel or when it was low-income apartments. Some of the places I hadn't been to, but McFadden's has the gargoyles up on top of yes. it. So it's one of Those the, are so cool. Yeah, they're so cool. And you talk about tunnels in Grand Rapids mm, and what yeah. they're Filled used with for. Them. And in, yes. in the basement of Ritz County, there's like, I thought they used it for coal for like coal because and it seemed like everybody was connected with this tunnel mm-hmm. but you you talked about it being electricity mm-hmm. steam, steam uh, oh, telegram a lot of grand rapids was heated by uh by steam so they didn't have to have so many furnaces running all the time so they had steam tunnels down there as oh well. grand rapids is filled with tunnels so i thought yeah. the murderer could yeah. have escaped through those tunnels they say he went out the back definitely they could figured have. he went out the back right. door because somebody on another floor heard that door being open, yeah. it, it's the back receiving good Well, there's store. a pic in the book. You have an actual picture. Yeah, I went around the, and back and took a picture of yeah. the yeah. door. Right. Um, yeah, if you you know look at that, it shows the actual door that yeah. apparently that the murderer. That's where they believe the murderer escaped out of. Right. Because somebody heard that door. You know, based upon when she was killed, and when somebody heard the elevator going down right. and then the door opening mm-hmm. that they figured mm-hmm. that's where the murder escaped from. And a lot of those tunnels are interconnected to the hotels, right? Oh yeah. Morton House Hotel has a tunnel underneath and that connected over towards what's now Amway Grand Plaza. Right. Um, St. Cecilia has one of those tunnels. Uh, the only difference with them is it was connected to, we think to the church across the street but um, they put a manhole that, mm-hmm. right there in the middle, and so a wall went down. Okay. So, yeah, and we've been in the tunnels Ooh, under St. Cecilia. Yeah. <laughs> and so Grand Rapids has tons and tons of tunnels. Nobody Cecilia. would ever know that. Yeah. St. Cecilia's well, always been really Yeah, nice. I've been to St. Yeah. Cecilia's, and I, I knew about the tunnels. We didn't get mm-hmm. to go in there. We were there for the world's largest ghost hunt oh. about two years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh. But... This, this story had Darren, um, he, he's with Problem Solvers now, Cunningham. So he was there with Channel Fox 17. So And we were there on the anniversary of her being bludgeoned. So it just happened to work out that way. But that's pretty much Grand Rapids covered. And we're not going to get into Kalamazoo. No. You guys are going to have to be back here. Oh, I already told them they have to come back. I know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because and you don't even have to like wait on our tour route and ask us. Now you have our contact information. I like that part of it, right? I was ready to because Brandon, who was not here tonight, right. he he was on one of your. He went on the Grand Rapids tour, oh, okay. but I know Kalamazoo has just as as much. Uh, 
detailed, I think. Mm -hmm. You guys dug out the truth, and that's what I really like about the way you guys did it. And also in the Kalamazoo book, the reverend had a cryptozoology experience where he saw a dog man. What? Yep, yep. Uh, we talked about the Michigan dog man uh, thing in there, and I actually talked with... Um, it's mentioned in, is it in Weird Michigan or is it Strange Michigan? Strange Michigan, Strange Linda Michigan? Godfrey. Linda Godfrey. I, I kind of like the way she wrote it up. She said that I called her office to tell her about the story. I was actually interviewing her for my radio show. So I did technically call her office, but it was to talk to her about Michigan Dog Man. And she's got into explaining who, what the Michigan Dog Man was. And it was at that point that I put two and two together because my best friend and I, uh, Bob and I always said that we saw the werewolf. That's what we always, we always thought that what we had seen, the best thing to describe it was a werewolf. And what we had come across is we were out, um, we, we were like 18 years old. We're trying to find some abandoned structures to go into, call it ghost hunting, <laughs> you know, <Yep. laughs> it's not what you're supposed to do, but when you're 18, it's fun. Yeah. And we're driving around and we're on one of the back roads out there and I had a 1977 Lincoln Continental, a big, huge boat. Right. Almost impossible to turn that thing around anywhere. And we went past this dog that was eating uh, roadkill on the side of the road. And, and my friend Bob, he's like, that dog looked kind of weird. And, uh, and as, as we look at it, it actually gets up on its hind legs. No. Has that roadkill in its mouth, and it takes off running through the field. And... As 18-year-old kids, we thought the bright idea was that we were going to hurry up and turn the car around, and we were going to go follow it. But luckily, <laughs> the car was too big to turn around very fast, oh, no. so we didn't manage to follow it, because I'm not exactly sure that would have been a great thing to do. I thought you were going to say you ran after it on foot. We were going to. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. We were going to. <laughs> and I, mean, I know uh, when she started describing it, and I was like, you know what? We actually saw one of them those dogmen and so that ended up getting mentioned in strange michigan but i i i just found it kind of comical that it's like he called my student called my office to tell me about him like not exactly but and then i don't remember where it was but we there was a report of a dogman uh den that had been found and her and i went like smart people that we are <laughs> we went out there to we went out to go check out the den of course you do. We, we were coming were, back from a vacation from the UP. When we got it, we are like, wait a minute, that's the next county. Let's go. Yeah, so we got out to the supposed Michigan Dogman den, and I can't tell you if there was a dogman in there, but there were a lot of bones, that's for sure. Oh, wow. So Yeah, something was eating. Some, something was a eating lo a, a lot, lot of, of things. Yeah. Well, we, we pretty much ran out of time. Oh, man. I know. And we're, we're going to skip a bunch of stuff on I this know. show. I know. I already warned them. Because yeah. normally we do um, oh, upcoming events. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, your tour is the big upcoming event. The tours, yeah. the, the five that we get to do yeah. during yeah. the pandemic. We, any of them that get added or any events that we do, we, we, we list on our website, which is paranormalmichigan.com. Mm -hmm. So we do tours there. Any of our speaking engagements are normally listed there. Unfortunately, I did not update it for this, so I need to be slapped or something. Yeah. But. <laughs> Another cool thing that we're going to be starting, uh, Paranormal Michigan, we're starting a YouTube series. where And some of this where we are going to dig into and say, look, this legend isn't true. This is what we found out. That's but cool. here we go. A lot of these ones that we're going to be covering you can go online and you can find all kinds of people have been out there and just said the story over and over they're like well this is a haunted road and this is why it's haunted right and we're yeah. like yeah that's what i'm used to yeah so, the first one is hatchet man road so we're gonna go we're digging into the history of these things and whether or not what is supposed to have happened happened yeah and if it did why it might have created a haunting or mm -hmm. if it's another urban legend so, yep. mm -hmm. so that one's unfortunately we're probably that gonna make a few great. people mad when we start uh debunking all their stories i, well, I like that you do i that I'm was okay refreshing that. i love it. that was refreshing to mm -hmm. that you guys actually dug deeper than all the stories that i've read so many other times i know you mentioned this person yes gary eberly yeah he teaches at uh, aquinas you might have worked with tenny maybe 
I I know Tenny. Oh. Yeah, I've went so, to some of his lectures, and we we're at the same conferences. He's, he's together. actually my favorite lecturer. So. Yeah, he's got the most interesting lecture of anybody. Just at those to name drop a little, you worked with Kathleen Rydell Tetson on a case. Yep. 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 And but a we're, couple of them. We're not going to yep. get to talk about that too much, and we're not going to get to talk about Kalamazoo. So that's a great excuse to get here back here as soon as <laughs> you, you can. Bet. Um, we're booking for next year already. Right. We're actually booked this year. Our good, our big news is they're going to start showing our podcast yes. on Comcast uh, Channel 25 mm -hmm. and UVerse Channel 99. So you guys will be on TV yes. after this. I know that's exciting. I've done that once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. And we're not going to do a final thought because this is it. It's been a great show. Very informative. I like the way you guys dig out the facts. Reverend Robert Duchesne and Nicole Duchesne. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Thank you. Love. Peace out, everybody. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Palermo Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. Located at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-531-8300. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.